just wasn't me anymore. I had no more energy, no more drive, no more anything. And I was like, come on, get over it. Do you know what I mean? Let's go again. You can switch it back on. You, you, you haven't changed. I just kept niggling at me. And I was just like, everything who you were is gone. Hey everyone and welcome to episode 6 of On My Mind. Today I'm joined by Luke Askew. A few years ago, Luke felt the powerful grip of depression and believed the experience awakened him to a new life where he now spends every day doing what he loves. Luke is a transformational coach and proud founder of the Believe and Succeed Academy, which inspires younger generations to follow their passions in life by truly believing they are enough. In this podcast, we cover everything from the struggles young people face today, how Luke dealt with his depression, and an extended and incredibly insightful discussion about pushing through fear. As always, it's one not to miss. Welcome, Luke, to episode six of On My Mind. Episode six. You missed out 007. If you'd been the next guest, you could have been. Well, let's let's do back to back. You want to cancel and cancel? Let's do 007. Yeah. Um, I know you from Instagram. Yes. Um and we've been following each other for just a a few months. Yeah. I'm, I don't even know where you where did you did I find you or did you find me? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. But you sprung up and your daily motivations mm-hmm. are exactly that. They're really motivating you tune in, you inspire people. But tell us in your own words a little bit about what you do. Um so basically I just say I'm just Luke. Um but what Luke does in terms of who Luke is as a person is that my passion in life is to help people be the best version of themselves. And the way that I'm doing that mostly at the moment is working in the education sector, working with children, but also working with head teachers and um, the local councils and stuff and about changing cultures and mindsets um, of the children, also of like teachers as well. Um, And my big passion is really about just people being able to be the best version of themselves and believing that they can do. And I guess kind of everything like on my Instagram and on my social is hashtag believe and succeed. And for ages I was like, oh, do I carry on with it? Do I get rid of it? But then actually when I think about it is that everything that I do is all about believing in yourself. Um, And that can sound a little bit corny sometimes, oh, just believe in yourself. But then it stems really to okay, we've got belief systems and that's who we are as people. And when we can learn how to choose what we're going to believe, choose that, do you know what, I'm worth it, or to believe that you can achieve anything that you actually want to do, then your whole life changes. So yeah, I'm on a mission to help anyone, anybody kind of be the best version of themselves and to achieve anything that they want to achieve, yeah. Cool. So, so you're on a mission, but you've also got a story because you weren't always doing this. No. You weren't always out in schools trying no. to drum up the kids and, and motivate them. So what was it that kind of got you into mm-hmm. what you do now? So in terms of my background, I always, I've always worked with young people. Um, from the very young age of when I was five, I started martial arts. Um, I don't talk about this actually, but I'm a black belt in Wing Chun Kung Fu. I started when I was five years old 
And this is kind of where everything started for me because I remember this one moment where my dad came to me in the kitchen and he gave me this leaflet and he was like, I want you to take you to like karate classes, but it was kung fu classes. I remember I just broke down in tears because as a young kid, I was like, oh my God, I'm going to get hurt. And then my dad took me to these kung fu lessons and then I remember that I watched a few of them and then and my Sifu or the guy who ran it called Dave Bowles and um, who turned out to be a massive mentor in my life and he picked me up one day as a kid you couldn't do this now by the way and did a fireman's lift and he put me over in the corner and he put two punch bags in front of me and he just went one two three and I started punching these pads and I did martial arts for 16, 17 years. And that's when he led me to start teaching people and coaching people. So what I do is at a young age, at the age of 10 or 11, I'd get in front of the whole class and go through like the forms. And then I would correct people. And then I would coach people and try and make them better. And then I fell in love with the aspect of coaching. And then from there, I became an outward bound teacher same thing wanted to take people and teach people new skills and then from there I became a PE teacher and that's when things really changed because I was a PE teacher in a primary school and I was able to take a child from the age of like four in nursery and teach them what a space is and spatial awareness and then transform them to year six and take this on the on this journey not only in sport but in life and kind of be that mentor that role model for them and I absolutely for a long time I thought is it sport that I love doing because academically I always struggled and I always led to sport because it's more physical but then what I realized is that it was the fact that I could take somebody from point a and take them to point b and um, so basically go right where are you now where do you want to be I'm going to help and guide you on there so I fell in love with the aspect of coaching I did that job for a long time, uh, about four years, and then for one thing or another, and we'll get into it actually because it goes a bit more into my story, I ended up um, leaving that school and then decided, you know what, I'm going to be a motivational speaker because during my PE lessons, I kind of stopped doing PE and I sat them all down and started being a bit more motivational and doing these lectures and I'd stop PE lessons when they were doing things that were concerning me in terms of like, I can't do this. So, so I'd sit him down and be like, no, there's no such word as can't, can't yet. So I started to do these mini motivational talks and then a teacher sat me down and was like, okay, you, you might need to start doing PE lessons now because now you're, you're kind of turned into a motivational speaker. So I went, yeah, I am. So I Googled how to be a motivational speaker, spent two and a half thousand pound on a credit card to a guy in America, to join his I Speak to Youth Academy and taught me how to be a speaker, how to market myself as a speaker. Went to my old high school, said I'll do a talk for free. I fulfilled it, posted it on a website. And then my journey started there. And then I got into life coaching and coached ever since. But the principle is still the same. It doesn't matter if I'm with a child. It doesn't matter if I'm with a teenager. It doesn't matter if I'm with an adult. Is that let's see where you are now and tell me where you want to be and I'll help and guide you on your journey. So it's, when you were talking earlier, you talked a lot about coaching, but I was hearing the importance of a mentor. It sounds like that um, that 
martial arts mentor was was like really influential in your life yeah and it sounds like when you're talking you really really enjoy actually seeing that progress in people and not just not just coaching them but actually kind of guiding and bringing them and the, the word that it is and for ages i went th- when i went through like my depression and stuff which we'll touch upon is that I was trying to find out what it was I wanted in life or my purpose in life. And for ages, and I spoke to a lot of other mentors and a very, very close mentor to me called Jackson, love him to pieces. And he said to me, Luke, you're not a coach. You're not a motivational speaker. He said, you're a transformation coach and you're a transformational speaker. Because what you do is you transform people's lives but the transform is the journey, the mentoring. Um, and I want to say, like, if I meet you right now, I want to stay connected till the day that you die. Because the reason being is because I want to see you grow as a person. And if I can help you in any way, then I will do that. And that's what I love. I love the mentor and I love the guiding. I love seeing people do well in their life. And if I can help, then I'll help. Yeah, the passion is really palpable you can you can definitely hear that and yeah and we talked before the podcast about kind of children in schools and the pressures that they're under at the moment do you think it's really important that they have mentors with some of the things that they're dealing with at the moment a hundred percent because you know and i did a talk yesterday in um where did i go i went to ipswich long way for me um and i spoke to a load of year nines and what we were talking about was about being a good thinker. In other words, having a certain mindset. And this area of Ipswich was was struggling in terms of like um, a lot of gangs, things like this. And the kids had no motivation, no aspirations. They're like, I grow up here, I live here, I die here. Um, because that's all that they ever know. And anyone who looks up to them has only ever done that. Now that's not, on anything on Ipswich, if you're from Ipswich, by the way, but this was just kind of what what was I was getting told about. But in terms of the importance of a of a mentor, is because what the quote that I heard the other day, and this is so much for a young person, is that, and I might have to say it twice, and you probably heard it, but it's like I'm not what I think I am, I'm I'm not what you think I am, I'm what I think you think I am. I'm lost. You're lost. So <laughs> but I have heard it before. Yeah. And it so takes a little bit of unpicking. It does. So, so maybe say it so again. That, so that, unpick, so we'll unpick. say it again. We'll say it slowly and then we'll dissect. So I'm not who I think I am. I'm not what you think I am. I'm what I think you think I am. In other words, right now we live in a society or a culture where we try to second guess what you may think of me. And I will act in order to kind of please other people. Social media being the big one for this. So for instance, a child right now is growing up so different to you and I, and so different to the older generation, is they're growing up on social media. And there's big debates on what's actually doing to the children, and it's about to create a storm and a hell of a war. The reason being is because they're growing up even more so with that concept is that they're spending less time with themselves, less time with self-awareness, and what they're trying to do is please the whole world. And the way that they know how, the way that they think they need to please the whole world is to be the person that they think they think the to be the person that they think 
they need to be in order to please the other person. For instance, I ask a question, who takes selfies in the room? Me, okay? Who uploads the first selfie? No one, okay? Who takes nine selfies, 10 selfies? Yeah, okay? Do you just upload them raw? Do you edit them a hundred times? See, now what's happened is we're creating a false a false world, is in like go through Instagram, go through Twitter, Facebook, is that it's everyone's highlight reel. And we see this and everyone's highlight reel. And what you don't see is the backstage stuff. The truth of people are going through mental health issues. The truth about people are having bad times. Or the truth about the hard time, the, the, the grind that you have to do to put in the work. And we said it before on the couches and like everyone wants things now because they think that it was so easy. So in terms of the importance of a mentor is because... If that child is just sat there looking, they're trying to second guess what they need to do in the world and who they need to be in the world. What I think a good mentor and a good role model does is say that you are enough. I suppose what you're touching on in in therapeutic terms, we'd call that a strong sense of self. So mm. having the ability to make decisions for yourself mm. based on what you think of yourself. Yeah. And, and I remember, I mean, I'm 33 now. I remember being a kid and if I went out playing with my mates I just put whatever clothes were on the bedroom floor and off I went mm -hmm. and I guess um, I read somewhere the other day that actually um, decisions like that for children of sort of like teenage years are being made by their following so they'll upload I've got this top and I've got this top which one should I wear exactly so that that kind of internal um, compass if you like mm -hmm. is skewed because it's mm -hmm. actually what you're saying is I, I, I am who I think what other people want me to be exactly um which actually when you think about translating that into a workplace or into just life yeah you know, some of the tough decisions that we have to make at life often w there isn't anybody around to help us make those decisions so it's you can see the problem 100 percent, and it's it we live in a pleasing world so like people think that and this is what i struggled with and this goes straight into what we'll probably get into eventually is that you try and please everyone or you feel like you're responsible for everyone's happiness or I have to be a certain way in order to be the right person for you. Um, and people will change who they are as people in order to make everyone else happy or everyone else accept them. And the shocking thing is that I saw the other day on my Facebook was a girl that I know probably around about the age of 13, 14, had uploaded a picture on Facebook with a little brother saying, I'm so proud of him. It was like a primary school picture. And he's there smiling in his uniform with a certificate. And she scribbled out her face. Wow. And that scared the living daylights out of me because one, I know her very personally. And she's a very, very, very nice girl. She's, you know, she's... She's so lovely, and for her to think that I have to scribble out my face because because of what? That people won't like it, because you don't like it. And seeing someone at the age of 14 do that, that's the reality of what is happening right now. And I don't think anyone realizes how much of a big effect it's, it's going to have. And do you see yourself as being sort of like a key player in trying to kind of stave that off a little bit, trying to adjust that, set the set the direction off a little bit from what seems like an inevitable emotional car crash for some of these people? I won't say some of these people. It's going to be 
90% of, yeah. of the next generation. And that stems to the, my work that I'm doing. So what I realized is when I was touring up and down the country speaking to like teenagers and a lot of them were coming up to me saying, you know, not that they were stressing exams, which they are as well, and that's a whole different topic, but a lot about like, personal issues and like do you know what i'm feeling down and out a lot or i'm self-harming or do you know what i'm suicidal and i was like shit our younger generation are giving up on life before their life's already started so how do we prevent that because instead of firefighting when that person goes i'm suicidal we want to prevent them getting to the point where they say i'm suicidal so the, the way that I'm attacking it personally is that I created a company called the Bloom Succeed Academy, which works in primary schools to teach self-awareness, growth mindset, mindfulness to these children so they can work on themselves, understand who they are, so then they can be strong enough a person to own who they are and present themselves to the world. Now, social media is amazing because... It's amazing for you and I who are maybe very confident in ourselves and we know who we are so we can present ourselves. It was quite funny what you said before of that you have so many char like characteristics that you have, Luke, that you say the same things and a lot of people say to me, God, you're just like the person that I see every single day. So social media is positive in that way because I can shine who I am to a mass audience. But a lot of people are trying to shine someone who they're not to a mass audience and that's the problem that the children are facing and it takes the likes of teachers and parents to be the role models for these children goes back to the mentors and say you don't need to do that you need to work on you and own you because you're enough i'm, I'm minded of the works of brene brown i'm not sure if you've heard no, of I haven't. her she's um she's one of my idols actually yeah. um, and she talks about this idea even as, as adults when we project a false self which is what you're saying mm -hmm. the, the social media self um, we might have people interacting with that false self but we know that it's not connecting with us so yeah, a thousand fake connections of people saying oh you look amazing you look this this is worth um, nothing but actually one true connection someone that goes you know what you're enough and I, I love you and I accept you exactly as you are without any filters without any adjustments to lighting or anything like that um, that's incredibly powerful so I suppose I'm thinking is the role that school has in children's lives are you sort of suggesting that that needs to change change like if the government are watching this right now put me in a room with you because you need to realize what's about to happen and your academic grades are going to go very low and your suicide suicide rates are going to go very high. Mm. Honest truth. So it's pretty stark, but I, I straight to the totally point. understand and see straight to the can... point. And if that's the one thing where everyone now watches on it and goes, fucking hell, did he really just say that? Yeah, I did just say that because you don't know what they're growing up in right now because they're, they're more bothered about their appearance and how they are perceiving to other people than who they are for themselves. So we never learned self-awareness in school. But also it didn't affect us so much because we went through a normal journey of like, oh, you'll go to school, you get your grades, you'll go to uni and you'll find yourself. So for that for you and I was like, 
you'll take a gap year, you'll go traveling because what happens is you spend a lot of time on yourself and you, you don't have to be anyone. But when you went to uni years ago, there was no Instagram stories. There was no documenting it all and showing everyone. It was just you walking around the world. It was just you interacting with people. And you come back with that sense of, I've experienced a lot of things. I realize what I like, what I don't like. I realize who I am as a person. I realize, you know, that I'm worth this. I realize that this is what I want to do in my life. But right now, the younger generation are looking to see what they think they need to be. Do you understand what I mean? So the education system needs to change in terms of you, you're now going to have to educate children on how to spend time by themselves and understand themselves and their emotions before they get to a teenager. Because before they get, because when they get into a teenager, they get into the point where they're like, "I don't want to carry on." Uh, there's two ways of looking at this because I, I suppose I got my therapist head on 100%. thinking. Actually, um, what the potential is is for a load of narcissists. Mm -hmm. um, and that has a very negative connotation, but actually a narcissist is somebody that projects a false sense of self because actually they don't, they don't have, there's a deep wound within and, and actually, you know, to not be loved by your peers, that's maybe a strong word, but to not be accepted by your peers, even Love and if connection is what perceived the, or otherwise, yeah, yeah. Is, is a wound. Mm -hmm. So then you project this false self out to the universe through your Instagram, through your social media, but, but actually, you know, that, that's I can just see I'm just sat here I'm a bit speechless thinking actually I think I've known this but you putting it in these terms has made it really stark it's so it's yeah. so true mate and and what we'll dive into right now is that I a year and a half ago I went through depression thank fuck I went through it because now I understand why I went through it I understand what I've learned from it and now I can go and save the next generation so yeah talk us through that yeah oh, wow so it all stems it all stemmed from a big moment in my life and what it was it was the first time that I felt like I was being I got hurt emotionally like I'd I broke I got my heart broken not by girl not by relationship where most people are like, well, what do you mean you got your heart broken? Well, the job that I mentioned before being in this school is I absolutely love and adore the school. Every part of it. I love the children. I love the community. I love the teachers. I felt like I was valued. I was being who I was. I was loved for that. I was respected as that. But I worked for an outside company in the school. So I was like a contractor in a way. And it came to the moment where the, the head teacher came to me and was like, Luke, you know, we value you so much with the work that you're doing. We want to we want to take you on. We want to hire you directly, meaning you'll get more money, you'll get holidays, you'll get full control in what you want to do for this school. And I was over the moon. And I went home that day and I went to my mum and dad and I cried my eyes out. I cried my eyes out and I said, mum, dad, I found it. I found what I want to do. I was over the moon and they gave me a massive hug and you know when you feel like, I know, I know, I've got it. I've arrived. I've arrived. I found what I want. And then what happened was over the last few the weeks was 
life kind of happened and all the shit that comes with things sometimes in that the the company found out that the school wanted me so before you know it there's a solicitor letter saying that if you go and work for these we're going to sue you and if the school tries to hire you then we're going to sue them as well and I took legal advice I tried to get every round every bend but at the end of it, the head teacher sat me down and go, as much as I value you, I love you, blah, 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 is that we can't do it. We can't take you on. You're going to have to stay with this company and we're coming out of our contract. So you're going to leave this school. So from being from a moment of going to my mom and dad, crying my eyes out, saying, I found what I want to do. I found my purpose. It's in this school. To then that being taken away from you when you weren't in control of it and the person that you were building that relationship up with was neither in control of it. It knocked me sideways and I was heartbroken. So then my head just went. My head totally went and I tried to stay in the job. I took another role and I lost myself. Totally lost myself. And I went from being Mr. Askew in school, who is this happy, outgoing, loving, passionate guy, who you see now, to go in, Mr. Askew's dead. So who the fuck am I? And I got put in another school, and I just wasn't me anymore. I had no more energy, no more drive, no more anything. And I was like, Come on, like, get over it. Do you know what I mean? Let's go again. You can switch it back on. You you, you haven't changed. And it just kept niggling at me. And I was just like, you were, you know, everything who you were is gone. And then the sense of numbness started to come. The sense of, like I was in a video game, where you're going through life with no feelings. And I'm such a I'm such an emotional guy and I wear my heart on the sleeve and I'm very passionate. And then to go from not feeling anything anymore, no drive, no passion, no happiness, no love, no connection, to absolutely nothing. And did you feel like this had been done to you when you were in that depressed state or had or were you even able to feel that at the time? Is that I didn't know what the trigger was. So I was kinda like going fucking hell Luke why why are you being like this because nothing's changed mate just do you know what I mean just but there was just there was just nothing left and I guess it was kind of like I couldn't work it out and it just spiraled and spiraled and spiraled and the only way that I, I can explain it and the only way that I explain it to children is that it was like being in a storm with no way out and I was in a relationship at the time that I wasn't happy in. I was in a relationship where I couldn't feel anymore. I didn't feel like I had any feelings anymore towards that person. But I was still with that person at the time and we'd just got a flat at the time as well. And then I kind of said, and then I started this whole career, like the whole motivational speaking stuff. And then I went through watching like Tony Robbins and all these like other inspiring people and started to go, I need to be like them. 
So I started to change myself. Scroll through my Insta a long way down. Go on my YouTube channels when I used to vlog a little bit. It's a whole different man. A whole different man who's on there. Portraying someone that he's not. I didn't know who I was. I don't know who I was trying to bullshit. And then when people were like complimenting me, it wasn't like being complimented. Because I'm like, you're not touching me. You're touching this image that I'm putting on. A facade. Mm -hmm. A facade. It's a total facade. I'm wearing a mask. That deep down inside, I'm crumbling. But on the outside, I look fine. And I still... And it wasn't to the point where like I was bed bound and stuff like that. It did get to that one point where it was very bad, but like I was still going out with my friends. I was still socializing, but I wasn't, I wasn't Luke anymore. And I remember I went on a, um, a trip with my friends to the Lake District and I basically made a decision that I was trying to split up with the, my girlfriend at the time because I knew it would be the right thing to do. But being the per- person that I am, I'm like, I don't want to hurt that person, blah, blah, blah. So it dragged out for far too long. And I'm so sorry to that person that I did that. And it came to the Lake District, sorry. And I I broke down in front of like my five closest friends, bawling out crying. And I remember one of my closest friends, she's like a sister to me, just holding me while I'm crying my eyes out. And I remember one of the lads who's kind of like laddie lads even was like, fuck me, mate. Like, I'm here if you... Do you know what I mean? He opened his vulnerable stage where, shit, I didn't know you were feeling this bad. And then we kind of opened up as a friendship group. And I was like, did you guys know? And they went, mate, we've known for about a year. You haven't been you for about a year. And I was like, really? But I was still coming out. I was like, but you weren't Luke. And then I moved to my uncle's house because I because I lost the flat, and I didn't I didn't want to uh, didn't want to go home for some reason. I think it's because I I made that step as a man to kind of move out, and I didn't want to go back and let people down or whatever. But I got to my uncle's house and severely depressed and cried every day and didn't know what to do spent so many times just on top of hills crying my eyes out my mum would come and visit me we'd go for walks and I'd just sit there crying and crying I don't know what to do anymore and I was just hopeless and one day I went into the back garden of my uncle's I sat down on this deck chair and bawled my eyes out for about two hours and it got to the point where I dropped to my knees I put my hands up and I just went if there's anyone bigger than me, God, creator, universe, divine, whatever the fuck you are, please help me because I'm done. Like, I can't do this anymore. I'm giving up. Is that suicidal thoughts? Maybe, maybe not. I don't really think I ever did of such, but I definitely thought of, is this what it's coming to? It's, it's almost as if that whole thing that happened with the school was like your soul was robbed not just your dream i was like it was like i was like spiritually hurt something that was so deep so passionate taken away from me and until i dropped to my knees and i just went someone else take control 
it was weird. I kind of had this thought to speak to somebody who I knew had gone through depression. She helped me. She introduced me to a family of people who introduced me um, to a new spiritual side of myself. I found Christianity, which helps me, but I know that other people find a sense of just something else differently. And that got me through it. What do you think it is about that? Because that's a common thing with people with, I know when I went through my depression, I came out the other side with a with a real um, sense of spirituality and that mm. didn't necessarily mean religious for me. Yeah, yeah. Um, but certainly something bigger than me going on, something divine, if you like. Mm-hmm. And and I just want to ask, like, what do you think it is about that that, that moves people out of depression or, or why do you think they come into that after depression? Because it gets to a point where you're like, I can't do anything anymore, so I need to work out why the fuck it's going on. So I then, I now believe that there's a reason why everything happens. I've always been like that. Everything happens for a reason. I think a lot of people are like that. Everything does happen for a reason. But really, everything does happen for a reason. And I live off these three things now that it it will happen. It had to happen. And be glad it happened. And if I look back now and I go back, I go, ah, I understand why I had to go through it. Do you know what I mean? I understand that I relied so much on other people validating me. That's why I love the school so much. Because well, you see what that can do to they were like, mental health. Because they were like, I love you, you're amazing. The kid, Do you know unconditional love children? I love you, you're amazing, Mr. Rescue. I was very respected for what I did. Sorry. And then that's gone. And I can't validate myself anymore. So I'm like, who loves me? Do you know what I mean? Mm. You were lost. Lost. So sense of finding something bigger than myself was sense that someone's always watching over me or someone else has always got the plan or someone else is looking after me. I suppose if we were to- looking at Buddhism, you'd say it was a surrendering. It was a, I a can't letting fight go. this anymore. Yeah. So someone take over because yeah. I'm, I'm done and I'm just going to let it flow through me. Yeah, exactly. And this is, the, this is the thing. This is what comes in with so many religions or spirituality is that the best way I describe it is like a wave. Is that life's like a wave. People call it energy. People call it God's plan. People call it... Do you know what I mean? So many ways, words for it. It's like a wave of life. And I say, you know that gut feeling that every single person has? And that feeling, it's like a pull in it. Like, you know you should do this. Or you know you shouldn't be in this relationship. That's the wave. That's the pull of going that's the direction you should go in. Some people go, it's got instinct. Some people go, it's something bigger than myself pulling me in that direction. But what they do is they give you a warning. Like, go. Go. So you've got two options. Trust in yourself, but then comes into the fear of failure. But what happens if I'm wrong? But when you're not thinking... It's not me, it's something else. Do you see what I mean? So I'm like, I trust in it. I I trust in the pull. I talk about this um, 
this idea before I got depressed of the universe coming down and slapping me in the face and yeah. saying, wake up. Yeah. And I ignored that too many times. And I think, you know, what, what depression did, and it sounds like it did it for you, was it just pushed me into a depressed state where I could That's no where longer, the word comes from, yeah. depress your emotions. Uh, I could no longer ignore what the, what the universe was trying to tell me, which was stop doing what you don't love. Um, in your case, it sounds like do what you love, <laughs> you know, yeah. find, find that again, um, find a way to find it, it again, but don't rely on people to love you. Love yourself because I, because I love you because you're here for a reason. There's a purpose to your existence, Luke. Find it. So yeah, it's like my mum says, it's like pebbles, like I feel like the universe kind of goes, here's a little warning sign. Here's another one. Here's another one. Here's a fuck off boulder. And that's what I feel depression is, is that you're doing something that is going to, you're going against the gut. You're doing the wrong thing. You know you're doing the wrong thing, but you're doing it because you're trying to avoid pain. You're trying to say, oh, I'll stay in this relationship because it could work. Or stay in this job because I have to stay in this job because I've got to pay the mortgage and the kids and what about the kids? Or I've got to stay in this relationship because it's about the children, it's not about me. And But your gut's going, no, trust me, everything will be better if you just do what you think is right. And if you don't do it, get ready because there's a big fucking boulder coming. And it's got depression and anxiety written all over it. And it's got depression and anxiety all over it because you stay depressed until you let go until you go okay i'm gonna do what i want to do because what are you depressed about what are you so oh I'm, I'm it's my relationship okay are you happy in your relationship no i'm not happy fucking get out the relationship oh it's my job get out the job this is a nice segue into some of your stuff around thoughts and growth mindset, I think, because one of the things that I find in my therapeutic work is with the exclusion of, of severe mental health issues, most people have more control over their um, lives than they would perhaps like to admit. Yeah. So um, when I'm doing my coaching work, typically more than my therapeutic work, we'll be talking about, oh, I really want to do that, I really want to do that, and oh, I can't, I can't, I can't. And actually, I've kind of come to conclude that maybe people when they feel the weight of the responsibility of their life on their shoulders um a lot of people go through life saying oh i can't do that i can't do that mm -hmm. so they can discount and say well no i i have no agency in my life but actually um a lot of people that come to coaching or therapy are, are going i want to change but when you reflect back to them that actually do you know what you have a lot more mm -hmm. agency over your life than you're presenting here um i think there's a reflection time where people go oh all my life, I've been making these decisions, not realizing that I could have actually made a different decision just by making a different decision. And I suppose it's what you're saying is, um, and I know that you, you do this on some of your videos and podcasts, is even with the fearful thought in your mind, you can still push through that. Mm -hmm. Even if the fearful thought says, you can't do that today, you can go, oh, thanks for that fearful thought, but actually I can, because so so I can this, override yeah, that. Yeah, so this is what I teach, the ki this is why I'm teaching children this, is that, comes down to love and fear and you'll hear it a lot if you're into it is that what's the difference between love and fear my example i give to the children and I, i'm a very simple man i like to make things very easy to understand is that love is oneself love is you 
you are pure. So that gut feeling, everything with you is so pure and so beautiful. And that's you. Then there's fear. Fear is amazing because it keeps you alive. You're only born with two fears, which is the fear of falling and the fear of loud noises, two instincts that will ultimately, years and years ago, will keep you alive. Um, but then what happens is that fear is like your, like your twin. You'll have a thought, you, pure of you, this gut feeling will go, oh, I'm going to make a change in my life. And you say that to yourself. But before you get up and make the change, fear will go, whoa, let me tell you 101 reasons why you shouldn't do that. Just because I'm trying to protect your heart. I'm trying to protect your feelings. Because what happens if you fail? It means you're not good enough. What happens if that relationship doesn't, um, um, doesn't work out? It's because you're not worth loving. But I never want you to feel, I never want you to be heartbroken. So I'm never going to let you come out of your comfort zone because there's always a risk. People live listening to one's fearful self and staying within their comfort zone instead of going, thank you very much, but I'm going to do it anyway. So the question is, how do I have the power to override fear? Is use fear as your friend. Because what you don't understand is that you can also ask fear a different question. So the question that a lot of people ask is that, okay, I want to I want to try I want to say go to the next stage in this relationship. So fear will go, okay, if you're gonna go to this next stage in the relationship, these are all the things that can go wrong. Okay. If you ask fear, if I don't go to this next stage in relationship, what will happen? Well, you'll never know if it actually would have worked. You'll never know that actually that person was the right person for you. You'll never know if really that was about going to be the best moment in your life. You'll probably regret not trying. See, if you ask me what my why is that I'm going to be a dad in October, my deepest fear now is that go I ask myself if I don't build the legacy that I want to build if I don't build the life of my dreams what is my son what conversation am I going to have to have with my son and the conversation will go like this son go and build your dreams because your dad never did it and I want a life that's better for you than I I never did it. You go and do it. That's because the living shit out of me. Because I know humans and I know kids. Okay, dad. But I look up to you, dad. And if you didn't do it, why would I do it? Because you didn't do it. And I admire you and I love you. So I'm not going to do it because you never did it, dad. There must have been a reason why you didn't do it, Dad. Because the best thing to do was just to look after your family and do the job that was the sensible thing to do. Rather than me sitting down with my son and going, what's the life that you want to build? Well, it's this. Well, go and fucking do it then, because your dad did it. Yeah, so what happened on that journey, Dad? Well, a lot of shit. 
I went through depression. I was broke. Me and your mum were crying in the car because we had nowhere to live. We ate shit for ages. But we got there. Ah, so when the moments do come up, Dad, when I do feel down and out, when I'm in my storm, when I am eating shit, when I feel like there's no end, I can believe that it's part of my journey because you did it. Do you get it? There needs to be more dads like you in the world by the sounds of it. That would be, it's an incredibly strong motivator for you. I can I can definitely see that. Yeah. You don't want to pass on that that fear of fear. Fear of failure. Um, but I, I guess there's a part of me thinking, what about the people that don't have kids? What, what What's their motivator? What would, you, what would you say to them who don't have the the mm. uh, the, the child to the kind child. of reason with? Go to an old people's home. Sit down with someone that's about to die and ask them what they would have done differently and they'll list a loads of things that they regret not doing. My question to you is when you're on your deathbed, do you want to sit there and go, I, I did everything that I wanted to do? Or do you sit there and go, I wish I could start life all over again? That would be my motivation because you've got a birth date on your gravestone, you've got a death date on your gravestone, and you've got a little line. Before the grave, the death date, are you going to sit there and go, it was a good fucking journey. And I did everything that I wanted to do and now I'm going to go and experience everything else that might be on the other side or not. Or do you sit there and go, I wish I could start again. I wish I could have built what I wanted. I wish I would have took that chance. I wish I would have took that job. I wish I would have just packed up and gone because I could have done that. Maybe I could have done that. And I'm not saying that my life wasn't good because I had a wonderful family or because I did a job that kind of like, but I always wanted to just try and see if I could have built it. There's something that you said that was um, really powerful about using fear almost as a friend uh, rather than, you know, a lot of the time you hear people getting into really kind of complex and heated debates with their, their inner fears you know, like, why are you being so hard on me? Why do you why do you put me down? Why you know, I I hear that a lot in therapy as well, and I really like this idea of using fear as you know you being in the driving seat. Effectively, it's like I will use fear; fear will not use me. I really like that, and a hundred percent because you are always in control. So and it's recognizing that, isn't it? It's, it's recognizing the you, it's the you above the fear, above the thought. Imagine fear is just a protector. A little guy that's going to protect you. So you just ask him a smart question. If I don't do this, because my gut's telling me, if I don't do this, what's going to happen? He'll come at you with regret. Okay, I'll do it. If it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out, and you deal with that. But the fear of regret is so much more than the fear of failure. So tell us about your life. Tell us what you want to be saying to your son when when you're old. What what will your life have been like if it's been a success for you? Hmm. What am I, that's a great question. Because it's weird because we all like set goals and stuff like that. And for me, it's just like when I die... I just want a load of people at my funeral. And I want loads of people going, that man 
made a hell of an impact on this world. And we'll never forget his name. Because he's I want a legacy. Mm -hmm. When I die, I want to continue being talked about on the earth. So many people that we look up to, to everyone looks up to, have people that inspire them and now they're gone. If you can create something that is bigger than yourself, that lives when you are gone, surely you win the game, right? Or are you just forgotten and you were just a chess piece? That might be like, whoa, like, whoa, hang on. Whoa, do, does that mean everyone's got to build a legacy? No. Do what makes you happy. Do what your gut is telling you to do. But my gut, my heart, my everything is telling me you're going to be remembered and you're building a fucking legacy. And if you don't do it, then it was a waste. And you've also given quite a stark warning that if you don't follow that, you know that pebble as you said yeah the pebble yeah. will come along and, and it'll strike yeah, it'll strike and it's con- controversial because sometimes i talk about you know c- depression is complex and we know that oh it, yeah it, there's it, lots of like lots of different stuff types into it. Yeah. lots of different manifestations of depression but <laughs> genuinely a lot of people that i speak to have this sense of i i knew what i was doing wasn't making me happy and it was almost like an inevitability when they look back through the lens of hindsight. They're like, yeah, of course I was going to go into depression. Of course I was going to end up feeling like I'd got a meaningless life because I was in a job I hated. I was in a relationship that was dysfunctional. The list goes on. And they come out of that with this renewed sense of it. And the thing I'm always struck by is hearing stories like yours is people then want to go and scream it really loud to everyone else and be like, stop. Like if you've got the, that inner voice, whatever it is, the wave as you described, if you've got that, just really listen to it, really listen to it and push through that fear and, and own the fear and bring it with you. Don't reject the fear. Don't try and have an argument with it. Use it. And I, I really love that technique of asking it a different question mm. because it's a protector. And, and mm. you're right. You know, we couldn't exist without you know, the uh, the other term for it, of course, is ego. You know, mm. it's part of the ego system. Mm-hmm. So we, we can't live without ego. You can't um, drop it. You can't. So it's yeah. like you can't get rid of it. So why don't you be its best, mate? Yeah. You're never going to get rid of it learn how to use it make friends with it yeah because then what happens is if i ask you the question of what happens if you don't like if you don't do what the podcast then what are you going to be thinking thank you for that one luke i will take that one do you you (laughs) know what i mean and you will offload and go fuck i better do this podcast just because i've asked you the question that made you ask the fearful side of yourself or the protector to give you an answer that is going to help you carry on. That's how you can make somebody change and someone who's feeling like, I can't change, I can't change, I can't change, ask a powerful question to yourself. I would like to talk to you moving slightly off that topic into friendships, actually. You talked oh, okay. about, you talked about your friends and, and the breakdown that you had in front of them and how supportive they were. Have you found that throughout this experience, this growth that you've been through, this personal journey, both spiritual and um, I suppose it's been a personal development journey, mm-hmm. hasn't it? Mm-hmm. Have you found that your friendships have changed? Have you found the sort of people that you hang out with has changed? Yeah, massively. And it's... I have... I have a core group of friends. So it's not, I've not dumped friends. Like, like oh, I'll never, never speak to you again. But 
I have certain friends for certain parts of my life. I have friends that I just socialize with, have a great time with, have a really nice laugh with, but I'll never ask their opinion because I know that they're going to tell me what they would do in their situation. And this is an insight that when you ask for someone's opinion, they're going to tell you what they would do if that was them, which is their wave, which is their gut feeling, not yours. But then I do have that core people who who I've been introduced to after depression and who are like my who I'm really connected with like my best friend is like my brother I absolutely love him but then I have also so many mentors and close friends who are very very connected but not once would they ever tell me what to do they'll always be like tell me what you want to do so the mentors my friends are my mentors so mentors encourage you to look at your own wave. Look at your own wave. And I'll help you. And I'll if you go, okay, you're going to make that decision? I know somebody who can help you. I've got a connection there. That's a good friend who also mentors you and also goes, you're good enough. Like, what do you want to do? I'll listen to you. A friend that listens is better than a friend that tells. Yeah, it's it's often the case, I think, when you go through such a transformation that you reevaluate relationships, which mm. is why I, I asked the question. It's a really familiar theme, but it sounds like you've you've got a real supportive group of people around there encouraging you to be you. I've got the most amazing family. Yeah. And I use the word family and you'll see on my Instagram that if I ever take pictures with friends or so I'm like hanging out with my family. Cause for me, family is away from blood. Family is the people that you would do anything for. Family are the people that you would die for. People, Family are people who you know that if you need them, they will drop everything for you. That's family. And it, it just feels so important to have that sort of a network around you when when you think about what we talked about at the start of the podcast, when you've got this kind of false self being mm. validated to have a, a close friendship group who know the real you and love that real you and encourage that real you and they don't try and, I suppose it's it's impossible for them not to have some sort of agenda. The agenda is that they want you to be happy. Um, but just that that just feels like a really important part of just really consciously reevaluating what you get from friendships and, mm-hmm. and whether they're serving that. Are they serving you? That's yeah. the question that you want to do. And I'm not saying bin them off. Just realize what they're there for. Are they there just to have a good time, have a laugh? Are they the person that you're going to sit there when you're going through your storm or your bad time? Because like, people are like, oh, that's what family are for. But pe- some people don't have family that that are good for them. I know it should be like that, but they don't. So the word family, I don't say is the person who's your mother, your dad, or your brother, your sister your auntie, your uncle, the family, you choose your family and go, who are the, who are the handful of people that I know that if I need them, they will be there for me. And that's my family. And you're in control of that. I'll be a member of your family. Do you know what I mean? If you want me to be a member of your family, I'll be a member of your family. 
Yeah, with some of the values that you've spoken of, I'd love you to be a member of my family. Well, there we go. That's me family friends. <laughs> got a new family member. Yeah, there we go. Um, you've got a hashtag that you've been using recently, and I'm a terrible podcast host. I've completely forgotten it, but it was it's not about being, it's about being something. Uh, see that guy, so he has no idea what it was. Um, <laughs> Tell yes. us what it is and what it means, because so, I've clearly forgotten it. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't on the notes. Um, no, so the hashtag, what it was, is it's... Um, it's not about being strong, it's about being honest. And um, where it stemmed from was that I did a, a talk at a mental health event. The most the most emotional talk I've ever done, because I poured everything into it. It was 10 minutes, by the way. And I was crying at the end of it, and you know, my girlfriend watched. It was the first speech that my girlfriend ever watched, and she was tearing up and everything. It was a really beautiful moment. But what stemmed from it, and when I reflect on it, is don't be strong, be honest, is that when I went through my depression, I tried to be strong by putting a mask on, by acting like I was okay, by, you know, I'm sure, oh, yeah, I'm fine, I'm fine. And then what, what tends to happen is, I'm not doing it, it's just men, but men do it a lot, but also women may do it, is that we put this mask on and we go, I'm fine, I'm fine, don't worry about it. And you try and act strong because you feel like you've got to be strong for your family or you've got to be strong for your partner. You've got to be strong because you don't want to show weakness because you feel like vulnerability is weakness, whatever you associate with that. But when you're honest, when you open up your heart and you just go, this is how I feel, this is who I am, take it or leave it. As soon as I stopped trying to be strong or stopped wearing a mask or stopped trying to be who I was and was honest, fuck me, everything changed. My life just went through the roof because I started to be who I was created to be. And then my path just arrived and I know there's something on this podcast, it's the weirdest feeling, that will go out and it will boom. I don't know what part yet, but it's going to boom. And I can sense it. Well, that that brings us to our time. Um, wow. It feels like a really nice note to end on as yeah. well. So those listening can help us with that, can't they? They can yeah. help us what, make it boom. What was the boom <laughs> moment? <laughs> what was the boom moment? What was the boom moment for you, yes? Tell us. Um, before we end, let us know where we can get hold of you. Where can we follow you? Right, so basically, yeah, so um, basically, I don't like hanging around with anyone, so no. Um, so mostly, the most time that I spend is Instagram. So if you go to Luke Askew Speaks, um, you can find me on Instagram. You'll see me doing my stories. You'll see my journey a lot of the time. If you go on there, then you kind of find all my other links to my Facebook and Twitter and stuff like that. Um, I would say, yeah, literally, I'll say just go there and then you'll know who I am. That's the most personal relationship that I have. And then you can find me on other means if you want to speak to me. Perfect. Uh, Luke, you've been inspiring. You've given us loads of insight. You've given us loads of tips, techniques. Mm. I'm sure you're going to make the difference in the world that you seek to. So thanks for joining us. And I will look back on this podcast in years to come and think, yeah, I interviewed that guy. <laughs> I appreciate it. Thanks for your time. What a great guy. I'm absolutely buzzing after that and have no doubt that Luke is one to watch. 
He's going to make a fantastic father and positively impact the lives of many, many people. You can support him by sharing this podcast and following him online. Leave your comments, likes, shares, do all of that. As always, until next time, go lightly, take care, and choose love.